Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's crazy the news stories that come out and how certain news stories don't seem to really change the effect of the market going forward, okay? Yesterday, I had mentioned I wanted to do a part two podcast and I didn't have time. And so this is the makeup for yesterday for part twos of yesterday's podcast on some of the news that had came out, okay? First off, we have some news from Southwest and it could mean big news for the airline industry going forward as well, just based off this announcement from Southwest Airlines. We'll get into that later in today's podcast. Then we have some news from the FDA. The FDA is expecting to approve a new vaccine for Pfizer. And what does that mean for Pfizer? Especially since now Pfizer is going to court potentially with Moderna. Okay. Then we got some news from Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley is cutting some of iPhone shipments in the making. And by how much, though, is the ultimate question, though, at the end of the day. Then we have some other news from Apple. Apple announces plans to encrypt iCloud backups. And what does that mean for Apple going forward? Then we got some news from McDonald's. McDonald's is trying to find new ways to get people to come into their stores. And this time they're looking at using the mobile app and potentially 50 cent cheeseburgers. We'll get into that later in today's podcast. And finally, we'll be talking about TikTok and the national security. And what does that mean for TikTok's future and the U.S. national security as well? Before I have to start this podcast officially, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form, and everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed, guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note, too, that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form, and I legally cannot give you any financial advice. Hence why you got to talk to your professional advisor as they know your situation a lot better than I would. Like I said, this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and... Yeah, with that, let's begin the news today. Southwest Airlines reinstates dividend after nearly three years as travel rebounds. From CNBC, Southwest Airlines is reinstating its quarterly dividend that is that had that it suspended at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. The latest sign that the airline industry's recovery. The $54 billion in federal aid that airlines received to keep paying employees during the pandemic prohibit dividends and share buybacks, restrictions that lifted this fall. Southwest is the first major airline to reinstate its dividend. The 18 cents dividend will be paid at the end of January. Southwest said in a filing Wednesday ahead of investor presentation. U.S. airlines have returned to profitability and CEOs have been upbeat and continued travel demand, even while business leaders and other industries, including banking and technology, have warned about economic weakness. Quote, today's announcement reflects the strong return in demand for air travel and the company's solid operating and financial results since March of 2022 said Southwest CEO Bob Jordan in a news release. Southwest re- reiterated it expects fourth quarter revenue to be up as much as 17% over 2019 before the pandemic, a sign higher fares continue to drive airlines recovery. The Dallas-based airline said it expects to grow capacity next year by up to 15% compared to 2022. At the company's investors presentation Wednesday, executives fi- uh, field questions about cost, pilot hiring, and pending labor contracts. Southwest is currently intentions contracts, talks with pilots and flight attendants for new contracts. 
Quote, I think today really puts an exclamation point about where uh, where their priorities are. Casey Murray, president of Southwest Airlines Pilots Associated, the Pilots Labor's Union, told CNBC. Quote, today with the, today with the announcement of dividends with really no real commitment to closing this contract, it's, dis- it's disappointing. Southwest Pilots pick its outside New York Stock Exchange ahead of the Investor Day presentation. The planes are currently subject to new cockpit alert standards, and lawmakers haven't issued a waiver before a year-end deadline under the rules put in place after two max crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia. Southwest said its 2023 capital expenditures would range from $4 billion to $4.5 billion, largely payments to Boeing for new planes. The airlines has both 737 MAX 8s and MAX 7s on order. Okay, The airline industry is recovering. It is in some way, shape or form. We actually talked about a little bit more in yesterday's podcast about how people aren't buying as much from the your local Targets or Walmarts, but they are going on more trips these days because people want to be able to travel. The air of experience is returning, okay? And there's a high probability that other airlines will follow suit as well and of potentially increasing their dividends for their shareholders, But I don't know at the end of the day on that end because Southwest is the first one to report this currently right now. But Southwest is one of the cheaper airlines, I believe, at the end of the day. So this could be that the others will follow soon as well. It's hard to tell. But what I can tell you is this. Travel is back. People are wanting to travel. In fact, don't be surprised, especially if you're on your social media feed sometimes, that you might see more people posting about their travel trips and if that's the case, then you can expect the airline industry has official return. Remember, airline industry is also starting to invest into flying cars as well. And in fact, it's funny. If you actually listen to some of the radio yesterday, some some uh, news anchors on the radio were actually finally talking about flying cars in the future. So times are changing. Airlines are adapting. Airlines are becoming profitable again, which means potentially dividends and share buybacks are in the making soon. So Continuing on, the FDA expected to decide on Pfizer's RSV vaccine for older adults by May of 2023. From CNBC, the Food and Drug Administration is expected to decide by spring whether to approve Pfizer's vaccine to prevent respiratory uh, synthical virus, or RSV, in adults ages 60 and older. Pfizer, in a statement Wednesday, said that the FDA has accepted its RSV vaccine candidate for review under expedient process that reduces the approval timeline by four months. The FDA is expected to make the final decision on whether to approve the vaccine by May of 2023. RSV is commonly respiratory virus that causes cold-like symptoms in most people, but it can result in severe illness in infants and older adults. Between 60,000 and 120,000 older adults are hospitalized with RSV every year, and 6,000 and 10,000 older adults die from the virus. There is no vaccine for RSV. Pfizer's vaccine candidate was about 86% effective in preventing severe lower respiratory tract illness defined as three or more symptoms. The vaccine has about 67% effective at preventing milder lower respiratory tract illness defined as two or more symptoms. With no RSV vaccine currently available, older adults remain at risk for RSV disease and potential severe outcomes including serious respiratory symptoms, hospitalizations, and in some cases, even death. Pfizer's head of vaccine research and development said the U S is facing an unusual tough RSV season this year. RSV transmissions was very low during the COVID pandemic due to masking and social distancing measures. There's another theory behind that. In my opinion, continuing on says many people did not get infected as consequences. So population immunity is lower right now. Since October, seniors have been hospitalized with RSV as 10 times the rate observed in 2018 to 2019 and last 
full season before the onset of the COVID pandemic. Okay. The only thing I'm going to say is I have a feeling that at least during the COVID pandemic years, I believe one of the reasons we weren't seeing as much, uh, they, they, they're, they're claiming is because due to the pandemic of masking and social distancing, that that is probably one reason why they didn't see as many RSVs at the same time. But something tells me too, that one reason too, was I don't think those were being tracked as much during the COVID pandemic. Okay. Um, just my opinion at the end of the day. Okay. Because I have a family friend who's a doctor and I believe he listens to this podcast sometimes. And if he does, he might be able to correct me if I'm wrong going forward. But he had mentioned that, at least to my dad, he had said that heart attack numbers during COVID had gone down as well. How can that be? Well, maybe there wasn't as many people going in for heart attacks as much because people were working at home probably. I mean, I could say that too, right, for the heart attacks. I don't have any proof to, to approve it, but he, uh, he had mentioned, he said that heart attack numbers had gone down. And I think there's other uh, studies that had said that heart attack numbers had gone down during the COVID, COVID pandemic as well. But it was interesting hearing that from that family doctor friend because it made me realize that maybe it's just not being reported. And, and that's probably the same thing with RSV was it probably wasn't being reported as much during the COVID pandemic because people were so focused on COVID during that time. But that's a whole other issue for another day. What is interesting like with this article though is if this vaccine does get approved, that means Pfizer is going to be making potential money again. This isn't financial advice at the end of the day, but... There's a high chance that with this vaccine coming out, that Pfizer will continue to grow as a company, okay? Especially if it gets approved. It also means, too, they're the first on the block to come up with a cure for this, or at least somewhat of a vaccine. Not really cure, I guess, for say. But it also means potentially, you're, if you're 60 or older, you could be having to get a new shot in your arm soon, which is good because it means you'll live a little bit longer. I'm curious, though, with the infant side of things, too, how if infants were going to be how the infants will get this vaccine if the time does come for them. I mean, it's not, it's mostly for the adults currently right now, but in time, they'll probably come up with the vaccine for the kids as well, or the infants in this case. But it's good to see that Pfizer used some of their profits they made from the COVID vaccine in order to continue to find new cures for vaccines in the making. Continuing on now, and we'll cover mostly tech from here on until the end of this podcast, okay? In the tech sector from CNBC in particular, says here, Morgan Stanley cuts iPhone shipment estimates by 3 million more units from CNBC. Morgan Stanley reduced its Apple iPhone shipment forecast for the December quarter by additional 3 million units on Wednesday to account for the slower production in China. The firm also already cut shipment expectations by 6 million units in November. Morgan Stanley now expects Apple to ship around 75.5 million units down from its original forecast at 85 million units. It comes as Apple suppliers face turmoil in China. Last month, factory employees clashed with security personnel at a plant in China, the world's one of the world's largest iPhone factories run by Apple's assembly partner, Foxconn. The factory was also hit by the COVID-19 outbreak in October that caused workers to flee the facility as the company moved to control the outbreak by isolating infected people. Morgan Stanley analysis said that the unrest will impact what is historically Apple's biggest quarter, which is bolstered by the holiday shopping season. The analysis expects Apple's will report about $120 billion in December quarter revenue, resulting in a 3% impact from the solar production. Apple reported $123.9 billion in the first fiscal quarter this year, up 11% from 2021. Shares of Apple are down 1% early Wednesday, despite the expected dip in shipment and ad revenue. Uh, correction. Despite this expected dip in shipment and revenue, the analysis said the forecast does not necessarily reflect slowing demand. Quote, by now it's 
It's well understood that by investors that the December Q will be challenged due to iPhone supply shortages. And therefore, the most important near-term debate is really how much of the lost demand from, from December is perishable versus deferrable, they wrote in Wednesday's note. I'm going to say it again. I personally believe if you start seeing price increases on the iPhone, if you are buying new iPhones this Christmas, then yes, there will be a shortage of iPhones in the making. I just don't believe that right now. I have a, I have a really, really hard time believing that, okay? Remember, Apple has been shipping some of its manufacturing sites, or at least they're looking to move it towards India, okay? Apple's also really good at being able to adjust in times. They did pretty well during COVID. They're still doing pretty well. They did, they blew out estimates last quarter. In fact, they were the number one when it came to profit margins last quarter. ExxonMobil, like we've spoke about. But we'll find out soon. Now, granted, like I said, in my personal opinion, if you see iPhone prices increase, then yes, there will be a supply and demand issue for the iPhone. But I currently don't see that, okay? And here's the other thing that's interesting. When this news came out yesterday, Apple then also announced another big news. So this news, that news kind of got buried where Morgan Stanley said that they expect iPhone shipments to drop in some way. Because Apple's reporting this now from tech from CNBC. Apple announces plans to encrypt iCloud backups. Apple announced on Wednesday that it plans to allow users to encrypt additional kinds of iCloud data on its servers, including full backups, photos, and notes. The feature called Advanced Data Protection will prevent Apple from seeing the contents of some of its most sensible user data stored on its servers and will make it impossible for Apple to provide the content of encrypted backup to law enforcement. Encrypted backups will be opt-in according to Apple. While Apple has previously encrypted a lot of data it stores on servers, entire device backups that included text messages, contracts, and other important data were not encrypted. The move will please security advocates many of whom previously pointed to uncrypted iCloud backups as weak link in Apple's privacy policy. It also means that the user data content would not be exposed if Apple servers ever were breached. It could upset law enforcement, which has used Apple's policy of non-encrypting backups as a way to obtain materials and investigations, even though Apple iMessages and devices are encrypted. Apple famously fought the FBI's attempts to force it through the courts to unlock an encrypt iPhone used by terrorists in San Bernardino. At the time, Apple said that an encrypted iCloud backup on its servers was option to give the same data. Law enforcement officials around the world generally oppose encryption because it allows suspects to go dark and denies law enforcement access to potential evidence they could previously access under lower levels of security. Apple also announced two other security features on Wednesday. Users will soon be able to use physical key as secondary factor protection, a correction as a second factory protection for Apple ID logins. Another update allows users face significant security threats to confirm that text messages aren't being intercepted. It's funny how this comes out. Apple is, there's probably going to be memes in the future about Apple where it's like, Apple won't be snitching on our customers or something along those lines. And that's fine. That's their decision at the end of the day. It also means law enforcement's not going to be able to do their jobs with more accuracy going forward, which means law enforcement has to be able to start start finding new ways, new technologies on their end. I'm not going to get into that company because I've talked about them a lot in the past already. But they have to potentially look into new technologies in order to help solve their cases going forward. It also makes me wonder too if law enforcement now is going to have to get permits soon in the future of having to see someone's phone maybe in order to or they have to get a permit and go to apple's headquarters to be able to encrypt some of these messages it's hard to tell but apple is doing new things in order to make their customers feel more secured and have more privacy on their phone
I mean, they can still track you of where you've been at and stuff. So, but, you know, I guess one step at a time when it comes to privacy, privacy and security for yourself, if you do have an iPhone. So, but continuing on with the tech industry now, McDonald's is looking into more tech stuff too. It says McDonald's hopes to deal like 50 cent double cheeseburgers to beef up sales on its mobile app. This is from CNBC as well. Last holiday season, McDonald's leaned on singer Mariah Carey's star power and discounts to drive customers to its mobile app. This year, Chicago-based restaurant giant is going further, giving customers the chance to win free McDonald's for life for themselves and three of their friends with every mobile order. The chain is also offering exclusive access to brand merch, release, and deals on food like 50 cents double cheeseburgers. The three-long week promotion, which began Monday, is part of the company's broader digital strategy to drive traffic to its mobile app through seasonal promotions and create recurring revenue without sacrificing profitability. In recent years, restaurant companies have turned to loyalty programs to drive downloads of their mobile apps and convince customers to keep coming back. McDonald's CEO said in late October that roughly two-thirds of the U.S. customers who use the app in last years have been active on its have been acted on it in the previous 90 days. Chief Marketing and Customer Experience Officer for McDonald's U.S. Division told CNBC that app users are more meaningful and more profitable than other customers. A little more than a year after its U.S. launch, McDonald's loyalty program has 25 million members who have been active on the company's mobile app for prior 90 days as of September 30th. For for comparison, Starbucks, which has a loyalty program for more than a decade, reported 28.7 million active U.S. members during the latest quarter. Chipotle Mexican Grill, a three-year-old program, has 30 million members, although the chain doesn't disclose how many have been active over the last three months. Okay. Finally, last thing we'll read before we get to the last articles is Boring Creativity. Hassan, who's joined McDonald's more than a year ago after a stint at Petco, said that roughly 40% of digital customers start using its app thanks to marketing and paid media. The fast food giant has been getting creative, pushing beyond advertising and discounts to attract new app users, particularly through promotions pegged to the time of year. For example, the company held Camp McDonald's for four weeks this summer. The program included discounts on its menu items, virtual concerts, and limited edition merch collaborations for mobile app users. Hasten said company had a goal of adding 2 million app users during the virtual camp, but didn't share how many members it actually added. The promotion also angered some customers who had issues with third-party sites, resulted in hours-long virtual queues to buy a Grimace-themed pool float that sold out. Okay, McDonald's, McDonald's, their strategies that they have at McDonald's are intriguing of how they try to get more people to come in through their doors. My personal opinion, at the end of the day, McDonald's is probably going to eventually get to a point to where they're going to have to become like how Taco Bell, KFC, and who was the other company? Domino's Pizza. No, not Domino's. Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut, KFC, and Taco Bell, how they had to form Yum! Brands in order to become a successful company. I still think there will be a day where restaurants are going to have to combine like Yum! Brands in order to make more profits going forward. Probably what's going to end up happening is McDonald's could probably make its own portfolio. Like, think about it. Yum! Brands is like a little ETF of its own. And probably McDonald's could make their own ETF too if they really wanted to. It would be hard to say at the end of the day what McDonald's decides to do. But McDonald's is going to try to get more people through their door. And it's just fascinating that they're trying to use mobile apps. Now, another thing too, maybe McDonald's might want to consider doing, and it's not just McDonald's, but a lot of fast food restaurants probably too. Get more automation in your store to allow a machine to do things 
if you if they're really wanting to save more money and get more customers in, the more experience you can give them and the faster you can get your food to people, the more likely people will come back to your restaurant. It's like how Chipotle is experimenting with the, I think it's called Chippy, the robotic arm. We talked about it in a past podcast, so you can go listen to that podcast if you wanted to, to hear about the Chippy robot. But they are using Chippy to handle the chips at a location. I believe it was Fountain Valley that's running that too, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've looked into that, but Chippy is considered being used at a Chipotle location. I think it was Fountain Valley that they're using it at. But automation will help a lot of these companies make a lot of money because it'll be saving time instead of having to pay someone. Automation will help a lot of these companies continue to grow, but it comes at a cost too. And what the cost is, is unknown at this time currently, but automation will be the future for the restaurant industry. And that's where probably a lot of McDonald's future revenue will come from cost, cost, uh, cost cutting measures in the making. So last thing we'll read national can correction, national security concerns reported delay TikTok use deal, U S deal. I mean, Negotiations between TikTok and the U.S. government have been delayed as officials continue to worry about the potential national security issues the app could pose given its ownership by Chinese company ByteDance, the Wall Street Journal reported on Tuesday. The government's concern included how TikTok could share information related to its video recommendations, algorithm, and how much trust the government will ultimately need to put in TikTok to follow through on the deal's terms. According to the journal, the government has yet to come back with TikTok with a new request on how to address the concerns. The journal reported based on unnamed source. TikTok confirmed it has not received an update from the government about any unresolved concerns. While we cannot comment on the specifics of the confidential discussion, we are confident that we are on the path to fully satisfy all reasonable U.S. national security concerns and have already made significant strides towards implementing those solutions, a TikTok spokesperson said in a statement. The two sides have reached a broad agreement about storing U.S. user data on Oracle servers in the U.S., the journal reported, moving it from TikTok data centers in Virginia and Singapore. Oracle would be in charge of overseeing protocols about which employees within TikTok could access U.S. user data, according to the report. U.S. officials and lawmakers have been vocal about their security concerns with TikTok. Republicans in the House are widely expected to use control of the chamber next year to zero in on fears about the app ties to China. Federal Bureau Investigation Director Christopher Ray, uh, Ray told lawmakers last month that he is extremely concerned about TikTok's U.S. operations. He said that the FBI feedback would be taken into account in, in any agreement made to address the issue. In notes on Wednesday, analysis predicted that Meta, Google, YouTube, and Snap would stand to gain from a TikTok ban in the U.S. Bank of America analysis said a TikTok ban is a possible but not most likely scenario, adding that the negotiated sale to a U.S. tech or media company could be more likely if a ban was on the horizon and the sale could accelerate advertisers' interest. In a ban scenario, we would view Snap as the biggest sentiment beneficiary followed by Meta Analysis wrote. Cohen Analysis wrote Wednesday that Meta's real short-form video similar to those on TikTok would be the biggest beneficiary of a TikTok ban allowed, uh, followed by YouTube shorts. If TikTok were banned, 20%, 26% of its users would re reallocate their time spent on IG reels, 21% to YouTube shorts, and 3% to Snap Spotlight, Cohen estimated based its November survey. Okay, here's how you solve the issue, okay? Remember, a few years back, Microsoft tried buying TikTok. I believe that was denied by President Trump, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Is 
there's so many news that happened the last few years. But I do know this. Twi- do, you, do you remember Twitter? Elon Musk? He owns that company now, right? Okay. Did you know he actually owns a competitor to TikTok in the future that he could release and, in my honest opinion, would replace TikTok in a heartbeat? It's Vine. Okay. We've talked about this in past podcasts. And if you want to listen about how Elon's thinking about bringing Vine back, go listen to that podcast. But Vine would be an easy competitor to replace TikTok. Okay. The only reason I say that was Vine was big back in the day. And for some reason, Twitter decided not to bring Vine back when TikTok was becoming a thing. That's just how pathetic it seems like some of the decisions were made at Twitter at times. My opinion, though. I I also have to point this out, too. Vine could be a big thing. It really could be again. There are some former influencers who would be pretty happy to get back onto Vine. In fact, when Elon did his poll, he actually asked, should we bring Vine back? And I think one of the biggest Vine stars said, like, yeah, of course, bring it back. Okay. I don't think YouTube Shorts would be that big of a deal. Now, granted, YouTube Shorts, if you have if you are on YouTube sometimes and you do post content online, there was a thing recently that said that YouTube was potentially and and we've talked about this too youtube was trying to figure out how to pay for short videos as well that's another uh podcast we talked about go listen to that if you want to know about what's going on with youtube and the short videos but i think vine could make a huge resurgence it could if elon musk decides to pull through and i'm i wouldn't be surprised if elon musk is paying attention to what's happening okay And in reality, think about this way. At least with Vine, it's here in the United States, but TikTok, it's overseas. And we already don't trust China right now with chips right now, hence why we're moving chip plants back to the United States. So why would we allow TikTok to become a thing in the United States, especially if it's a national security threat? We believe the chips are a national security threat, and we pretty much have said we can't sell chips to China, especially if they're military-grade ones. And yet, they're wanting to potentially allow TikTok to come come through. It doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, probably lawmakers are going to get together. They're going to ban TikTok in some way, shape, or form. And that could be an excuse for Elon Musk that day to release Vine to the public again. Remind people what used to be to the TikTok before TikTok. So it'd be interesting to see if that were to happen because the Vine is at least in the United States. I mean, they might not like Elon Musk at the end of the day, but that's their decision. At least Vine's in the United States. TikTok's overseas. So, and if it's a national security threat, then uh, it's not going to pass. So, yeah, I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So, you'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't or willing or have the time to talk about. Please also continue sharing with friends or family as it has been helping grow this podcast. To my fellow podcast listeners, thank you for your continued support and sharing with friends or family. We're seeing the growth here right now. And our goal, we're about ready to get close to 5,000 downloads on this podcast. We never thought we'd hit that, that number, but we're getting there. And with your continued support, we will be able to hit that number soon. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.